0: Today, I am speaking with Diego Guerrero, and he is a rising junior from Dallas, and he is majoring in math. And the other thing I should say is he is my fabulous Gibbons Fellow. Thank you. Who actually today just transitioned from being a Gibbons Fellow to being a temporary summer student assistant for the education department. Yep. Um, So... We are going to have a conversation where you will respond to three questions, and those three questions are what's most important to you, what does a liberal arts education mean to you, and what do you wish your professors knew about you? Um, So let's start with the first one, what's most important to you?
1: great question. I guess I would say that right now what's most important to me is finishing college on track and being in a position where I'm able to give back to people like myself and people who don't have the same opportunities that I had and trying to create opportunities for those people.
0: What do you think, do you have a vision of what form that giving back is going to look like?
1: Yes and no, it's always changing I guess. It started off as It started off as very non-hands-on in my mind. Mm. Like, I imagined I would go to a grade school and graduate with a degree in something or other and go off and get a great job, uh, earn a ton of money, and then be able to, like, donate actual funds to different programs. That's how it was in my mind very early on in high school as I started off that process of looking for a college to go to because it wasn't very... Going to college wasn't very real in my mind. Like, I knew I, knew I was going to go off to college, but I never really imagined myself at college, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I always knew that I was going to go to a university, and just knowing the way that the system works, I knew that I was probably going to go without my parents having to pay much money because I was earning good exam scores, and I, my family wasn't earning much income. So I was receiving already lots of aid from different organizations and different programs at my school. So I figured, oh, I have a great opportunity to go to almost any college that I can academically get into, and it won't cost me a ton of money. So I could always see myself going to college, but I never really imagined what I would do when I got there. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a, college always seemed to be the end goal, and really it should have been kind of like a stepping stone into what I was going to do later in life, which is still kind of up in the air, I guess.
0: How did you find your way to Bowdoin?
1: That's a interesting series of events. I attended a charter school um, after my elementary school. So after fifth grade, after I'd gotten through public school for um, the first couple uh, the first few years of my education, I went to this. Uh, I was the first. I was part of the first class for this new charter school that was starting up nearby my house. Its name is Uplift Williams Preparatory and it, was, it is a charter school that started in 2006 when I was entering sixth grade. So I went uh, to that school from sixth grade up till my senior year when I graduated. And it was very interesting seeing a school start up and change throughout each of those years. It always felt like something new was happening and something was changing and we were always kind of racing to, meet some kind of new standard that the school had just come up with, or achieve some kind of lofty goal that the school had come up with. And uh, their main goal was always 100% student admittance to a college mm-hmm. of some sort. So that didn't necessarily mean a four-year university. It could be just someone going to a community college. I to say there's anything wrong with that, but they always wanted their students to have a plan once they graduated. They wanted them to at least have some kind of plan of action for what they would do next, whether that be military, community college, uh, trade schools, or four-year universities or, and colleges. And there was this, when I was a sophomore, no, I was a junior, when I was a junior, there was this freshman at college, at Bowdoin College, who um, was good friends with one of my, one of my uh, classmates in this anthropology class that I was taking. And we had gotten to know each other pretty well. We became good friends. And then she brings up in the fall that there was this flyout program. And I had never heard of what a flyout program was. And just for anybody who's listening that doesn't know what a flyout program is, it's generally where schools will pay for students to come and visit the university during a visiting weekend or a student weekend and have the students stay on campus with um, freshmen that are currently attending the university or college and get to experience just the weekend of what it's like to be on campus. So she told me about this fly-in program at the school where her friend is going, which was Bowdoin, and I had never been to one before. And it didn't really interest me at first, just when she just told me about it, when I heard, oh yeah, it's cool, you get to fly out to this college and spend the weekend there. So I wasn't really interested at first. But then she mentioned that, oh, well, you get to skip school on Monday. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that sounds neat. Yeah, I'll do that. I, I would like to skip the day of class. So I wrote an essay in and uh, got accepted to the flyout program. And she did as well eventually. And we both came out and visited. And I was the first. I had been to colleges before. I had visited schools before. But usually it was through programs that my school ran. So I was always attending with a group of, like, f- 100 other kids in my class that were just all wandering in a mob through a college. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really the best way to get an actual feel for the university or college I was visiting. And there was just something about that weekend at Bowdoin in the fall that just made me really appreciate the liberal arts experience Hmm. and what it could offer, even even though I really didn't know what that meant at the time. But it was my first college visit overnight, basically. And I really liked it. And I really connected with a lot of the students that I met on campus. And I really enjoyed the atmosphere of the college. Mm. And I visited a few classes, and I enjoyed the structure of the classes that I visited. And I enjoyed the student participation in them. I enjoyed listening to what mm-hmm. the students had to say in the classes, even sometimes more than what the teachers had to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because it was interesting seeing the students interact in. A very polite manner but still managing to have interesting discussions despite yeah. that. Like I could see that some people were passionate about their arguments but were respectful enough to at least entertain the other side and have them speak as well. So that was something that drew me to this place. And then from there, I just went off and I visited different types of universities. Yeah. I got into like, doing fly-out programs. And I did, oh, so you got hooked. Yeah, I got yeah, hooked so. basic. <laughs> After that first one, I applied for like four more and I went yeah. to different universities. Did you, go
0: to, did you go to five total? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My school was very happy about that. <laughs> they eventually just had to say, stop. We understand that you're doing this, but you also need to like, be in class. Right. <laughs> we can't yeah. have you getting truancy your senior year, even though it's for college stuff. So I visited here first and then it was Pomona, Tufts, Johns Hopkins, and this Lafayette, yeah. Hmm. That was the least interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely got hooked into. Also, most of those schools were liberal arts colleges because I started getting interested in what a liberal arts college education could be and what that would look like for me, I guess. And after visiting Bowdoin, I got interested in liberal arts colleges, so I looked at different ones and yeah. other top liberal arts schools, and decided so to go check those out. So I really enjoyed Pomona as well. It was a, that was definitely like my second choice after yeah. Bowdoin. It was Pomona out in California. I had a great time there and met lots of interesting people. Although it was a lot busier, I felt just because it was such a larger campus and had such a yeah. huge city nearby, I felt like there was always something going on. Right. And. Johns Hopkins was interesting just because I think that was the point where I realized that I wasn't interested in larger research-oriented universities. I guess just because I didn't like the atmosphere and it felt very people there felt very aloof and, just very I guess, and it wasn't for me. So that's at that point I decided I was just going to look at liberal hmm. arts colleges. So
0: it sounds like, I mean, so. One way to think about it is that you definitely were enjoying being flown around for free and missing classes.
1: Yeah. But, it's but definitely right? I'm not shy about saying right. that I enjoyed but, it.
0: <laughs> but, the, uh, but another piece is that it sounds like it gave you a way of envisioning what it would mean to be on a on college a campus, On a college campus, and what right? it would
1: feel like in a very natural, everyday sense. Yeah. The visits that I did uh, at my school or through my school were great, and I love them. And I really think they're it's important to just get people, especially at a young age, to consider what it's like yeah. being able to actually go and see like important pieces of academic history. Like we went out to D.C. and visited Georgetown, and mm-hmm. walked through that campus, and I felt like that was very important, and instilling a sense of this is possible and you can be here. It's very much a reachable goal if you work hard and. Are able to get admitted that you can be in this space, and that was very good, but it wasn't good for visualizing like you said me actually just experiencing a day to day type life there and I felt like that's what the flyout programs were very good for getting there was still there was still a kind of a larger group of us of the people that were all flown out together and I definitely hung out with them a lot, but it also gave me the chance to kind of split off on my own and just kind of like be with my host and hang out with my host friends and Mm -hmm. see what he did on an everyday basis and see what his life was like because even though he had me it was still a regular school weekend for him so he was still busy doing work hanging out with his friends on weekend nights but also still very much okay I'm gonna go to the library for a couple hours you can hang out in my room and talk with my roommates but I have to get work done (laughs) so that was very good to see and good to recognize that oh okay like this is the way it would work if I was here so, I really did appreciate that through the fly-off it's that kind of experience.
0: What was it like to come to a school that has a history dating back to 1794 from a charter school that, that started, started with your class?
1: It didn't really hit me for, all, for a while. Just how much legacy Bowdoin has. Like, even during, even when I got admitted, really, I was just like, oh, sweet Bowdoin. <laughs> I enjoyed my time right. there. Like, I'm psyched to go there. But then once I got here and I kind of started talking with other people, like, they were talking about the way, like, oh, my grandfather came to this school and, like, my dad came to this school and now I'm here. And it's like really, and they were like, oh, I'm really excited to be here because I have, like, that family legacy. And I'm like, I'm proud to keep up that tradition. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> But I never really had thought about that kind of legacy. I never realized, like, oh, Bowdoin's has been established for such a long time and such a, has such a deeply rooted history with our state and with the people here. And I guess now I'm starting to get more of an appreciation for it and see that that, that legacy has really allowed Bowdoin to do some amazing things and reach out to a lot of places that... Mm wouldn't have the funds to fly out students like me mm-hmm. to come visit. I'm really appreciative of that. What
0: kind of schools did your good friends go to from your charter school?
1: <coughs> a, there's, a, there's a wide range of um, types of universities that my friends went to. A, lo- a lot of my good friends, um, two, <laughs> two of my best friends, brothers, who are about a year apart, but still ended up, they're, like, in that weird age range where mm-hmm. you are like, a year different in age but still are in the same class of school. Just because I think, like, they let the younger ones start mm-hmm. earlier, basically. Um, they both ended up going to schools in New York, in Rochester.
0: Oh. oh.
1: And I think we talked yeah, about my that's friend right. earlier.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> one of them ended up going to... I went to U of R. ...University of Rochester. Mm-hmm. And the other ended up going to RIT.
0: Whoa. And they
1: didn't plan on it, really. <laughs> like, they didn't talk about going to the wow. same school. But that's just always just a funny little story to me that they both, they looked at lots of different places. And they both have very, they're both very motivated people. They have, uh, they have kind of similar interests, but yeah. still varied enough that I didn't imagine them going to the same school, which they I didn't. Think. But they ended up in the same city with each other, so which fun. I always find kind of funny. Yeah.
0: Um, have you have, visited them y- No,
1: all? I haven't had a chance to visit them. I w- I almost and said it's yes.
0: tough, it's sort of impossible to yeah. get, fr- I mean, it's not, you, you can get In there touch. from here, mm-hmm. but it's, it's sort of a really long drive, and there's no way around it.
1: I almost said yes, because we did see each other freshman fall for Thanksgiving, because oh. I have two friends who both go to uh, College of the Holy Cross, in Worcester Mm -hmm. as I learned that's how it's pronounced (laughs) as I was very harshly bullied for saying (laughs) Worcester the first time I read it on paper because I'm not from here yes so I have two friends who go to College of the Holy Cross and I actually went to go visit them freshman fall because we didn't want to fly out to Dallas for just that uh, one weekend basically so we decided to get together and uh at the College of the Holy Cross and hang out so it was them to me, and my friend who goes to University of Rochester, we all got together and spent Thanksgiving together, which was nice. Uh, Took okay. for ourselves and everything. Um, there's also people from my class who have gone to, or who are currently at um, Babson mm-hmm. down in Boston. Um, my, the girl who I came to, uh, to Bowdoin with, uh, she's at Colgate. No, oh, yeah. Carleton, Carleton. Okay. Like that. She's mm-hmm. at Carleton. She visited Colgate. Uh, she's at Carleton right now. Um, so a lot, they've definitely like hit some of the liberal arts schools up yeah. here in the Northeast. But there's also lots of people who stayed home, did community mm-hmm. college. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't think any of the people from my class went to UT Austin, which was, huh. which was an interesting choice. Because I know a lot of people got accepted and had the option. Right. But I think a lot, of people, a lot of people back home just wanted to stay close to home. Yep. So they preferred to do community college nearby and be able to stay with their families.
0: Yep.
1: Some people ended up going to other big state schools, like Texas Tech, uh, UT Arlington, UT Denton, uh, University of North Texas in Dallas, and SMU, which is also, mm-hmm. like, in Dallas, Dallas proper. And there's one other place in Tennessee that I can't think of the name of. the.
0: Vanderbilt?
1: No, not Vanderbilt. It's, uh... Has a religious name like a religious type name that I just can't think of. Like something Trinity, uh, not Trinity College. I'm not sure. I can't think of it right now. Well, it sounds
0: like the charter school fulfilled its mission.
1: It did, but the, the the main people that I talked about were probably the top twenty students from the class. Oh, okay. And then it's from there. It's kind of a. They very much focused on students who they believed kind of like mm-hmm. had the uh, grades for going out of state okay. and very much... If they saw that you had like grades that could help you get into out of state schools, especially out of state liberal arts colleges, yep. they very much pushed for that in your kind of in your search. They said that they felt that these university or that these colleges would kind of be the best fit. And I think they were right, to be honest. Just I don't think I could have transitioned very easily from being in a class of 100 in my Mm -hmm. grade level to, like, a UT Austin-type school with thousands and thousands of people in my class. And I felt like that might have been a little much. So I think that's why a lot of us ended up at liberal arts colleges, because we were used to that kind of small class experience for the last, like, six years of our education.
0: What ended up being the most challenging um, adjustment or part of your transition to Bowdoin, because just culture alone from coming from Dallas, Texas to Brunswick, Maine is a huge shift,
1: Mm -hmm. just in geography. Yeah, there definitely was a bit of a learning curve (laughs) getting here and getting used to just the changes in the weather and climate, Mm -hmm. that was already a big change, but uh, getting used to having people who don't who wouldn't connect with everything that I connected with back home basically and learning that everyone here has like everyone has comes everyone here comes from different walks of life and being able to navigate that without kind of like making an ass of yourself basically <laughs> and being able to recognize that people have different experiences're not gonna be able to identify 100% with your experiences. And being okay with that, and being okay with mm-hmm. kind of uh, getting people to understand where you're coming from while doing the same for them, understanding yeah. where they're coming from. I felt that was a, a little bit of a challenge for me at first, because I don't know, I guess I'm a kind of a shy person.
0: I feel like I even had that experience when I came here from New York where I had a sense of oh, well, everyone knows X or mm-hmm. Y. And to come here and realize, no, not everyone knows X and Y. Or everyone's operating with these three assumptions. Mm -hmm. Um, And even as diverse as um, New New York York City is, there might be a couple of assumptions that all or most New Yorkers operate Mm -hmm. on. I don't know what it would be. Or even assumptions that
1: people sometimes make about you just based on where you're from or something like because yeah. that. that's usually the first thing you say when you meet someone right at, at, on campus for the first time it's like oh I'm blah 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 yeah I'm from here and here where are you from so that's usually kind of like the first the first thing you learn about someone is where they're from and that naturally comes with a set of assumptions
0: right what what kinds of assumptions do you feel like people have made about you
1: probably just the most basic would probably be that I'm fluent in Spanish because Mm -hmm. my name is Diego Guerrero and Mm I say that I'm from Dallas, Texas a pretty large city in the south and Texas has a pretty large Mexican population or an Hispanic population so it wouldn't be an unfair assumption to think that I'm Mm -hmm. fluent in Spanish when I would say I'm I'm passable Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Spanish to be honest.
0: Um Right, we were d- discussing whether and how I was going to say your name, <laughs> yeah. and and I couldn't. Then I tried to say it in a sort of no accent, mm-hmm. like no knowledge, very of, flat way. Yeah, no knowledge of Spanish mm-hmm. kind of way, and it, it didn't even come. I I, I failed <laughs> I in could, my mission. I could
1: see you struggling to get it out, <laughs> with, just without an accent on it.
0: Um, and and we were talking about how it's it's an interesting thing because Mm -hmm. it's partly about who I am and who you are. Yeah. Right? It's a relational decision Mm -hmm. in some ways where, um, like, do you introduce yourself differently depending on the person you're speaking to? Yeah, even I make,
1: i even I make assumptions like that. If I speak to someone who I feel has, or who I assume has a good grasp of the Spanish language, I'll try and, introduce myself with a bit more of a spanish emphasis on my name so i'll to someone who i assume has a a good grasp of spanish mm-hmm. i'll introduce myself and it's funny because even i i can't roll my r's so i mm-hmm. can't really pronounce my own last oh. name properly
0: <laughs> but i still
1: try and give it that yep. that accent like i'll say yep. in spanish it'll or with a spanish accent it'll be diego alonso guerrero even though I don't grow the R's. Yeah. And to someone who I feel I don't want to kind of put that pressure to try and pronounce that w- with that accent, I'll say my name is Diego Guerrero. Very kind of flat, monotone ish yeah. type voice.
0: You were talking um, before about sort of you ended up getting hooked on the idea of the liberal arts and the liberal arts experience and what it can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, So, now that you've been here for two years and about to enter your third year, what does a liberal arts education mean to you currently, knowing that that might change over the next two years?
1: I guess after being here for a couple years, I feel like the liberal arts experience has Come to me in a sense of flexibility and what you can do having the freedom to pursue a path that you have already had thought about while getting to explore other options that maybe you didn't consider were as important to you as you imagined and being able to find that out from the get-go and not having to waste time on thinking about planning things for the future that you don't enjoy so one of the things that I had thought about when I came into uh, Bowdoin was, oh, I can do a Spanish minor. I, <laughs> I, had, I had taken an AP. I took, like, AP Spanish 5 in high school, and I got a 5 on that. And it's, this this is going to be, <laughs> if I need a minor, I can get a Spanish minor. It won't be that bad. And then I took. <laughs>
0: Were you just thinking, like, well, one must accrue a minor, so. I was thinking, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need to
1: check out a bo- I need to, I check,
0: need to check, box. check that off on of the right.
1: box that says, major check, minor check. <laughs> So I don't know. I've i been interesting, and I'd always wanted to kind of get a more of a gain a stronger grasp of Spanish. And then I took a class here, and <laughs> very quickly decided maybe Spanish minor is not for me. Maybe I should look into something else.
0: <laughs> what was the reason? What turned you off? And so don't say any professor's name or. Anything no, well the like professor
1: was great. It was just the the nature of the the beast, I guess. It was just too much. <laughs> I didn't really uh, recognize how big of a jump it was going to be from Mm. my high school curriculum to uh, Bowdoin's curriculum. And that was a kind of a steep incline. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Did you have the same kind of experience with the math curriculum?
1: Definitely just all around with Bowdoin's curriculum. That was one of the things also that was a big transition for me. The level of just the basic curriculum at my high school Mm. was nowhere near up to par with what could be offered at a liberal arts college mm-hmm. and that was one of the things I saw as well during my travels to various liberal arts schools and universities in general, that it was going to be a big jump and bigger than I had anticipated, to be honest like I always thought, oh, it wouldn't be, it's not going to be terrible to transition into this and then I got here and I was like, oh wow I was, <laughs> I was not prepared for uh, the transition as much as I thought it would yeah. be
0: what strategies or resources have you used um, as you sort of made your way up this steep incline?
1: Definitely my professors was one of the biggest resources that I took advantage mm-hmm. of, and that was something that I just learned in my time at my high school as well. I had connected mm-hmm. uh, very heavily with my profess- or professors, my teachers in high school, and uh, I always felt that I could mm-hmm. use them as resources whenever I had questions. So that transition was easier, uh, like learning how to use my professors, like learning how to use office hours and things of that sort. But also other resources on campus that I hadn't really thought about using. Um, like I've never gone to therapy or mm-hmm. anything like that, but I'd heard that Bowdoin has an excellent, there they uh free counselors mm-hmm. on campus that are available to students. And I thought to myself, like, I had never been to therapy, but I think I might be at the point where it would be nice to talk to someone. So I went over to the center and I had told them, (laughs) I was like, I had never done any sort of counseling or therapy before, and I think I want to just try out a session, see how it feels, see if it helps. So I only did one session, but I felt that it was very helpful, and I felt that I got a lot off my chest in that moment that was good and beneficial and would help me out in the long run. But I remember being very nervous about making some of the resources on campus because I had never been a person that needed those kind of resources in high school, even the ones that were offered there because I felt they were very, um, they weren't for me. They weren't for like someone. I felt like I needed a different type of help than the one that would be offered in my high school. And Bowdoin offered that through mm-hmm. the like, counseling program. And I've never taken advantage of that, so I felt very nervous for, like, going to that for the first time and trying out those different resources. But once I tried it out, I realized, that, like, oh, this is very normal and that oh, lots of people take advantage of these resources. Like, the writing center in campus or, or just that kind of space in general, like, to go hang out with people and do work together and be able to have, like, just friends from class and stuff just together to hang out with and talk about the work was very new to me it definitely took a little bit of uh, adjusting to be able to make use of that.
0: I think that's so cool that it almost sounds like you took this liberal arts approach to the resources. Like, oh, this isn't something I've tried before. Let's try it and see what that's like. Yeah, it was definitely a
1: very superb the moment. <laughs> I, was just like, I was just in bed, just not feeling great about myself. Just thinking, oh, this is a lot more difficult than I had imagined and I don't know who to talk to <laughs> about this. All my friends are also busy, and they're all dealing with their own things at their respective universities. So I, and I, I had made friends at that point, maybe not, like, my super best friends or anything, and I liked my roommates and stuff, but I just didn't feel like I had anyone that I could really discuss, and I didn't feel like anyone would be able to understand just because I would have to explain, like, oh, my entire history of, like, my life to them so they could yeah. be able to understand what I was dealing with. So I felt... counselor would be good for this like I just maybe I could go like once a week or something and who knows how this will turn out but I should try it I've never done it before and I just went once and I thought that was I can see like why people do this and why it's very helpful I think I was just one and done I was like I need this again I know how to do it I know how to take advantage of this after that one session I felt like I don't need it right now. If I need it again, I'll come back to it, but I'm...
0: So you weren't turned off by it. I, weren't just... sh-
1: I was not turned off by it. I just wanted to be very open about the fact that I only went once <laughs> and then just kind of enjoyed the experience, yes. had my cathartic moments, and then walked away with that knowledge of being able to do it and that this resource is here for everyone and it's not some huge daunting thing. And I had, had I kind of had that stigma about getting help for mental issues as well, just like people who need this aren't strong They're, that was a very big thing mm-hmm. like I guess in my culture growing up is that like you learn to just deal with stuff on your own and then, yep. like, you don't show weakness I guess mm-hmm. so I guess I was also overcoming that to go speak with like, a counselor yeah that's
0: really brave um, what do you wish your professors knew about you
1: interesting questions just i'm not sure really i feel like the more they know the better but i also understand that they have a lot of students to get through mm-hmm. even if even if it's like a small class size there's mm-hmm. still a ton of students and it's hard to get to know each one of them on a personal level but i feel like the more a professor knows about you the better it is in general whatever that is about you like Knowing personal information about a student is always helpful just so you can kind of connect to them on a more personal level. But I don't know if I have, like, this one thing that would really help a professor Mm -hmm. teach me better, just because they knew Mm -hmm. a random piece of information about me. But I feel like it's important to develop that kind of relationship with professors here. And I feel like that's very possible. Like, you just through office hours, you're able to your professor's able to get to know you during those, like, private sessions that you're mm-hmm. there asking for assistance. And through there, I think they get the best idea of what's good for you. And that definitely uh, happened in lots of my classes. Especially during that Spanish class, that professor mm-hmm. was very quick to realize, like, oh, he, uh, like, they recognized that I had a good, gra- or not grammar, but I had a very good enunciation because I was used to speaking Spanish so I could speak comfortably so maybe I don't need to take the hour of speaking practice uh, during the week. Mm. Maybe I should take that hour and instead do it and take that time and focus on doing grammatical work in a textbook because my grammar's not that strong so yes. I need to learn how to read and write in right. Spanish. As you wouldn't be to the
0: fir- you wouldn't be the first person who grew up in a Spanish speaking community to <laughs> have to hit the grammar wall. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's just things like that they'd learn about you and they yeah. I feel like that's the best way. Just have like that kind of natural connection. I don't know if there's one fact I could pull mm-hmm. out that would be the best fact for any professor to know about me.
0: You're saying you loved being here this summer.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Why did you love being here this summer?
1: Because I got to enjoy Bowdoin without the stress of it. <laughs> there was well <laughs> not to say that our research wasn't stressful in certain ways. But I could always hit 5 and then walk away from everything Mm -hmm. if I needed to. So at 5, I could just go back to my apartment and relax on my own time and just not have to worry about homework or school stress or an exam coming up. It was always just I can relax for a while. And once (laughs) once 9 o'clock hits tomorrow morning, then I can start restressing about all the work I have to do for for our project. (laughs) But... Also, just the weather. (laughs) It's so much nicer, even though our apartments don't have A.C., so it gets a little warm sometimes. But it's definitely doesn't get as warm as it does back home. So I can just enjoy having the windows open, enjoy the nice day, walk around, see parts of campus that I really haven't seen, to be honest, Mm -hmm. but walk through the commons, enjoy nature.
0: Well, if you want to learn more about the research that Diego and I did, you can go to the Teacher Tweets website, which is teachertweets.org. Diego's working on a new data visualization um, for um, our study of teachers' use of Twitter, and so that should be up soon. Um, Thanks for talking to me.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.